You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. Christianity is more or less a relationship than it is a religion. And so, again, Paul is making his appeal on that basis because of all of what God has done for us. Then it becomes our responsibility, but it's a blessed responsibility. It's not a burden, right? Even as you cultivate and develop a relationship with someone of the opposite sex, it's not a burden, it's a blessing. On the outside, Christianity looks like any old religion. Followers go to church, give their money, celebrate holidays with their God. But the truth is much more than that. As Pastor Mike shares in today's lesson, Christianity is a relationship. You go to church to spend time with your family in Christ. You give money out of thanksgiving for what you've been blessed with. And you worship the life and death of our beloved. Is it time to change your thinking about this religion and make it a relationship? Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of Ephesians chapter 4 as he begins his message, Walking Together in Love. Walking together in fellowship or walking together in love. Okay, so let me set this up for you. Beginning with chapter 4, we move now into the next segment of this book, Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus. So let me give you a quick synopsis, if I can. The first three chapters explain the riches that we possess in Christ, while the last three chapters and that's what we're going to be covering over the next couple of months, actually. While the last three chapters, chapters 3 through 6, explain our responsibility in Christ. And as we move through these last three chapters here in the book of Ephesians, you're going to take notice of a key word in the last half of this book. It is the word, the key word, walk. For example, notice right here in our text, in chapter 4 and verse 1, we see it there. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Jump ahead in that same chapter to verse 17, chapter 4 and verse 17. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk, there's that word walk, as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility or the emptiness of their mind. Jump ahead to chapter 5 and verse 2. There Paul exhorts the church at Ephesus 
and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. In verse 8 of chapter 5, notice there, For you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord, and therefore walk, there's that word, walk, as children of light. And then lastly, in that same chapter 5, in verse 15, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. So again, here's a key word, and we're going to, we're going to see that this, the use of this reoccurring word in the final three chapters here in the book of Ephesians. And in these last three chapters, Paul admonishes his hearers, the church at Ephesus, as well as us, to walk in unity, and that's what we're going to be talking about in that uh, Paul addresses that subject in chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. And then he encourages us to walk in purity, beginning in chapter 4 and verse 17, through chapter 5 and verse 17. And then he encourages us to walk in harmony, chapter 5, verses 18 through chapter 6 and verse 9. And then finally, to walk in victory, chapter 6, verses 10 through 24. So there you have the outline of the final chapters here in the book of Ephesians. Now, first, as we address the subject of walking in unity, I want you to consider two important words that are recorded for us there in verse 1. Go back to our text. Notice in verse 1 these two words, and if you're taking notes, write this down, or just underline them in your Bible if you're not afraid to mark up your Bible. You know, i got to tell you something. My Bible, I, ha- I probably have a dozen Bibles at home. And one Bible is more marked up than another Bible. And, uh, but I use them, you know, to teach at it. They're, they're teaching Bibles. What they, they're like wide-margin Bibles, but I write in them all of the time. And then they actually become a commentary for me. But i got to tell you something. In some of those Bibles, I've written so much, you know, in the lines and stuff, that it's even hard to make out the things that I've written or the verses of Scripture that I've read. Because sometimes I write over the margins into the actual verses of Scripture. And I'm trying to figure out, what, what, what did Paul say? So I have to go and appeal to another Bible. I would encourage you to underline those two words because they are very significant. And they're the keys to understanding our first point this morning. So what are those two important words that are recorded for us there in verse 1? Therefore, and beseech. So if you'd like, underline them or whatever. If you have a piece of paper on the backside of your bulletin, there's a place uh, to take notes, by the way, if, just in case you didn't know. And uh, just write those two words down. And with that said, then, it brings us to our first point this morning, and that is logical and simple. Logical and simple. You know, Paul's rationale in his addressing the church at Ephesus, is just simply logical and simple. The word therefore, that first word that I drew your attention to, indicates that Paul is basing his exhortations, verses 1 through 3 of chapter 4, to duty on the truths that are taught in the previous chapter. And listen, it's just logical And it's just simple, that is, these conclusions. Because of what God has done for us, 
all of the things that we've been talking about over the last couple of months, everything that's recorded for us in chapters 1 through 3, leading up to this text. For example, he chose us. He's accepted us. He's redeemed us. He's made us sons and daughters. He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing, just to name a few, etc. All of the things that we've been talking about, all of the wonderful blessings that God has given to us, all of the wonderful resources that he's made available to us in Christ. The obvious and logical and simple conclusion is that we should give ourselves to these exhortations. And, uh, you know, there's just something in our DNA. I mean, think about it. I'll, I'll, I'll try to use a, a practical example of uh, a relationship between a man and a woman. You know, particularly as it relates to the guy who usually, more times than not, he's the one who initiates the relationship. He sees someone that catches his eye, and he thinks to himself, wow, you know, I would really like to get to know that lady, right? And so that guy goes out of his way to make himself known to that young lady, right? And he does nice things for her, trying to woo her, if I can use that term, right? He becomes very creative in the ways that he goes about seeking to woo her, to get her attention, to get her interested in him. The woman, you know, takes note of, wow, you know, I think that this guy kind of likes me. And you know what? There might be uh, something going on here, and there might be an advantage for me to want to get to know him. This, this guy is really a nice guy. You know, maybe I'd be able to, this is a, a relationship that I would be interested in cultivating and developing. And so in turn, I begin to give back because of what that person has invested in the relationship. And so it is with the Lord. Think about that. Because isn't Christianity a relationship? It's not a religion although it is a religion, and in fact it's even referred to as a religion, a pure religion in the, in the New Testament. But uh, I would rather us to think about Christianity as a relationship. It's a re relationship that's based on giving and receiving. It's a relationship that's based upon love. And isn't it interesting that uh, the relationship, even Jesus himself speaks of this relationship sort of like a marriage relationship, whereby the church is the bride and Jesus is the bridegroom. So think about it, right? So, I mean, it's true. Christianity is more or less a relationship than it is a religion. And so, again, Paul is making his appeal on that basis because of all of what God has done for us. Then it becomes our responsibility, but it's a blessed responsibility. It's not a burden, right? Even as you cultivate and develop a relationship with someone of the opposite sex, it's not a burden, it's a blessing. You want to go further into that relationship, the depth of that love, right? It's a giving and a sharing, and so it is with our walk and our relationship with the Lord. And that's the reason why I've given our first point logical and simple. Because Christianity is exactly that, folks, isn't it? It's a simply logical and simple for all of what God has done for us. So think about it. The Christian life is based upon Bible knowledge, isn't it? That is the Word of God. The Bible is our textbook. And that's why it's so important for us to 
become serious students of God's Word. Because the better we understand the Bible, the easier it is to obey the Bible's duties, the instructions, the things that God is asking of us. So what you learn and believe certainly does determine how you behave, right? Think about it. It's, again, receiving from the Lord. It's sort of like in our DNA, if you will, to give back to the Lord because of what we have received. And so Paul uses the word, therefore. And by the way, uh, just a little bit of Bible trivia. Whenever you're reading the Bible and you ever see the word, therefore, or wherefore, you ought to just stop and take notice of that and say to yourself, the writer is drawing a conclusion. Therefore or wherefore. And whenever the, the writer is using those words, he's drawing a conclusion. And so you ought to ask yourself, what conclusion is he drawing? Okay? Now, the word beseech is the other word that I wanted to draw your attention to, indicates that God, in love, urges us to live for his glory. He does not say, as he did to the Old Testament Jews, if you obey me, I will bless you. Remember the covenant that he had made with Israel during the Old Testament dispensation? Rather, in the New Covenant, in New Testament times, he says, I have already blessed you. Now in response to my love and grace and my blessings, obey me. So, anyway... The first three chapters are all about our marvelous calling in Christ, all of the many blessings that God has bestowed upon us in Christ, and now it becomes our responsibility to live up to that calling. So do you understand that? That's the foundation uh, to understand as we, as we begin now to move into this, new, this next section of the book of Ephesians, okay? So that we begin to understand how we ought to walk. So, how are we to walk? How are we to live up to that responsibility of our calling? How? Well, the first way is through promoting unity and love towards each other. Now, someone at that point might be thinking, someone might be saying to themselves, that's really tough. That's really a tough occupation. I mean, it's such a diverse group of people. You know, uh, you know, because of our past experiences in dealing with people and, and, and the relationships that we've had with other people, maybe uh, even within our immediate family, and we've had falling outs, and, you know, Uncle uh, Nunzio is mad at uh, Aunt Josie or whatever, and, and you're caught in between, and there's fighting and there's bickering, or maybe uh, a relationship at your place of employment has gone sour or whatever. And, and it's hard. It's not easy, right, uh, to be of one mind and unity with people. And just look around here. To, you know, think about the diversity, which really doesn't lend itself, if you think about it. That is, if we weren't Christians, if Christ wasn't our common denominator, you know, the diversity, the commonality would be absolutely impossible. So maybe you're thinking along those lines, this is an extremely difficult occupation. But the truth be told, this is already a spiritual reality. What Paul is encouraging us to do, to give ourselves to, to promote this unity and fellowship and love, is already 
become a reality. You say, how's that? In chapter 2 and verse 14, he says, for he himself is our peace, that is Christ. If you look at it in context, Christ is our peace. Who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. Now, who's he referring to? He's made them one. He's talking about the Jew and the Gentile. Remember, we spent a lot of time talking about this in one of our previous studies. And listen, let me tell you something. The Jews had nothing to do. They didn't want to have anything to do with the Gentiles. Remember, if a, if a Jew was walking down the street, and let's say, for example, he was on his way to the synagogue to worship, and he happened, even if his raiment happened to touch a Gentile, on his way to worship in the temple or in the synagogue or, or whatever, he would have to go through all of these rites of purifications. You know, just to be able to go enter into the temple to worship the Lord. The Jews had nothing to do. They didn't want to have anything to do with the Gentiles, nor did they want to have anything to do with the Samaritans as well. You know, the common opinion of the day as it relates to the Jews, and this was even promoted by the rabbis back then, was that the Gentiles were created by God to fan the fires of hell. How do you like that? And that's the way that they thought of Gentile people. Isn't that crazy, right? And so think about that. Because of the gospel, because of what God has done for us in Christ, now in context, think about that. Go back now to verse 14. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. So if you ever ask yourself this question, and listen, it, it, it's not as if, you know, over the several years that we've been, you know, that we've planted the church and stuff, that we haven't had, you know, our own specific problems with people and, and irritations and things of that nature. But, you know, but, I mean, isn't it amazing? Just look around this room, the diversity of uh, the people that attend Harvest Christian Fellowship. I mean, it's a miracle that we haven't strangled one another right? And that we've been able to accomplish anything. I mean, the truth be told, right? Because, I mean, we come back, we come out of so many different backgrounds, and, you know, we bring all of these crazy excess baggage along with us when we come into the body. We think we know more than someone else knows, or, or better, or, or we're wiser, and uh, no, it has to be done this kind of a way and stuff. It's amazing that we've even been able to accomplish some of the things that we've been ac accomplished over the many years that we've been here, right? The only reason why that has happened is because you have to put God behind it. And we are a people who want to be led by God's Holy Spirit. And we are striving, and, and that's what it takes. And we'll, we'll talk some more about that in a moment, but we, there has to be an effort on our part to promote unity within the body. It's not something that just happens automatically. Each one of us needs to give ourselves to that occupation. It's so very, very important. So anyway, the first way that we show that we are responsible and are living up to our calling for what God has done for us is through promoting unity and love towards one another. But again, this is already a spiritual reality. And therefore, think about this, our responsibility then is just simply to guard, protect, and preserve what we already have. We already have it, you see. Again, Christ is the common denominator. It's not even something that we have to muster up. It's already a reality. 
We already possess it. All we need to do is guard it, protect it, and preserve it. And that's the reason why I've given our first point the title, Logical and Simple. Now, that brings us to our second point, and that is unity, not uniformity. Let me say it again. Unity, not conformity. So you might want to write that down. Now, let's talk about unity. Now, when I speak of unity, I don't mean uniformity. That's quite different. You see, unity comes from within and is a spiritual grace that God works in us, while uniformity is the result of pressure from without. You know, we're pressured to look a certain way. We're pressured to act a certain way. We're pressured to speak a certain way, right? Have you ever been in a church like that? And uh, I don't want to mention certain denominations, and I don't want to put down other churches or whatever, because there's some great churches right here in New York City. But uh, and that you know that's some of the reason why we've kind of strayed away from denominationalism because of the stigmas that are a part of denominationalism. We're not against denominationalism, you know. You know, people have. Uh, suggested that we, Calvary Chapel ministries are a denomination, because there are certain things that we all adhere to, and the stigmas, you know, and the, the people that are overseers of those denominations place pressure upon the people who attend their churches to look a certain way, to act a certain way, to speak a certain way. Isn't that true? Have you ever been in those churches? I have. You got to dress a certain way. Oh, man, I remember uh, I was in Hawaii. I was attending a Calvary Chapel there, and I became friendly with, uh, I, I better not mention the denomination, but uh, I was asked to be a youth pastor in Juneau, Alaska. So we went from Maui, Hawaii, right? What a, what a change, to Juneau, Alaska, to be a youth pastor. It was the first full-time uh, ministry that I ever had as a youth pastor. And anyway, when I got there, it was a pretty conservative church. And when I got there, the senior pastor bought me a three-piece vested suit. And he wanted me to wear that three-piece vested suit. Although, i got to tell you something, I look pretty good in that suit. <laughs> but, uh, but it wasn't me, uh, particularly back then, because my hair was really long back then. Remember when I first came here, those of you who were around when I first came here. And uh, it kind of didn't fit. But I did look pretty good in that three-piece vested suit. But, you know, they were trying to, like, put me in a mold kind of a thing, right? You see, that's not unity. That's uniformity, all right? It's, it comes from people placing pressure from without. Now, to help us to understand this, Paul uses the human body as a picture of Christian unity. In my father's house, there's a place for me. In my father's house, where I long to be. Oh, my That's all we have time for on this edition of In My Father's House. Thanks for joining us. Did you know that you can listen to Pastor Mike's teachings on your favorite podcast app? Just search for In My Father's House. Be sure to subscribe and let us know you're a listener in the comments. 
If you don't have a church that you call home, we'd love for you to join us for worship this Sunday at Harvest Christian Fellowship. You can find all the information you need at harvestnyc.org. While you're there, you can reserve your seat by clicking on Contact and then the Register link. We're located in Midtown Manhattan, and there's easy access from Port Authority on 42nd and Penn Station on 34th. If you're not in the area, or if you're unable to attend in person, we'd still like to have you be a part of our time studying God's Word. We're live-streaming our services each week, and you can connect on our website. Again, that's harvestnyc.org. If you'd like to hear today's message again or to catch previous Sunday messages, click on the Resources tab. You can also watch services through our Vimeo link or connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. Links to all of these are available at our website. One more time, that's harvestnyc.org. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to remind you just how much your Heavenly Father loves you. We also want you to know how grateful we are to have you as a part of our listening audience. Thanks again for joining us. We look forward to our continuing study of Ephesians next time, right here on In My Father's House. Where I long to be, oh my heart, not be troubled. I remember what you said.